Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Today's episode is entitled Breaking Bad. And before we begin, the answer is no. I'm not going to teach you how to make methamphetamine out of a mobile home somewhere in the middle of the desert, okay? This is not about the Netflix show. This is about one of the key ingredients to being successful. And we talk about mindset, we talk about motivations, and we talk about methodologies. And so today, we're going to talk about all three in one particular dynamic, and that's about habits. So what we're going to talk today about is breaking bad habits. And I've got three points for you. I know that's not a shock to you. But uh, we're going to talk about good and bad habits. We're talking about how specifically to break the bad ones. And then we're talking about building good habits. So we can give you some how-tos along the way. A habit, by definition, is a pattern of behavior acquired by frequent repetition. So it's a pattern of behavior acquired by frequent repetition. Now, what we know about habits is that the vast majority of habits are unconscious. In fact, for 50 years, the study of the subconscious, unconscious mind has proven that 80% of all habits come out of the unconscious. It's what we do on autopilot. Sometimes it's called involuntary action. And it's just the things that we do. You know, we do so many things on autopilot. You ever driven home from work, kind of park the car and go, How the heck did I get home? It's because you were driving on autopilot. Didn't mean you were a bad driver. Didn't mean you weren't tuned in. It just meant you were so locked into the familiar of the habit that you were unconsciously doing it. We do this. Most of us have a particular habit of how we wake up in the morning, you know, go to the bathroom, brush our teeth. And a lot of these habits, they're just this unconscious thing. And so it's very important to know that we can break bad habits and that we can institute good habits. And that's important. My great mentor and uh, hero, the great Ogmandino, who wrote The Greatest Salesman in the World amongst many other great books, said good habits are the key to all success and bad habits are the unlocked door to failure. And so it's just, it's a door that you can open up and you kind of slip through, okay? So we want to get into the good stuff. So we're going to talk today about good and bad habits in some regard, but here's the thing about habits. Habits... First of all, they create stability. So if you're looking for more stability in your life or more security in your life or more safety in your life, you need to be intentional about your habits. We're going to get into that. Like I mentioned, habits are automatic, and so it's real important that you make things automatic. And then ultimately, habits are compounding. Now, automatic and compounding are two concepts you've heard me talk about when it comes to doing well financially. So, for example... When David Bach wrote the book, The Automatic Millionaire, the fact of the matter is, when you make your savings automatic, you become a great saver. Now it happens automatically, you don't even think about it, away you go. And then when the money grows and it compounds on top of itself, the next thing you know, you start having more and more money, the next thing you know, more and more resources, the next thing you know, you're one of those economic success stories, okay? So let's kind of dive into this as we can today. And hopefully this will help you examine some of your patterns in regards to your habits, affirm some of the good habits you have, and also challenge some of the habits that need to be improved. And we all have things that we can improve. 
So let's talk about habits creating that stability. First of all, we're battling something called homeostasis. And homeostasis, the best way I can describe it, it's like a homing pigeon. And that is uh, homing pigeons are trained to go home. And that no matter where they are, within a, a certain reasonable flight distance, you open up the cage and they are going to bolt. They bolt out the door. They always look like they know exactly where they're going. And if you've ever seen these homing pigeons, they'll turn in unison and they're heading for home. And the reason is they know where home is and they've been trained to go home. Well, that's the same thing with our habits. And no matter what, they create a sense of stability for us. Even our bad habits create that stability for us. And that's why sometimes you've heard me mention the movie Shawshank Redemption. And I've often talked about the librarian in the movie, Brooks Hadlin, who was incarcerated for 52 years, most of his adult life. He finally is released. He's given his freedom. But like that homing pigeon, he is out of sorts. He is searching for homeostasis. He actually wanted to commit a crime to get put back in jail because he actually felt safer in the jail than he did out in freedom. In fact, there was a true story about five years ago of a gentleman in uh, Vermont who was released after 50 years in prison and killed himself because he couldn't deal with the lack of routine and everything that he'd come to know. Even though his routine was all about his lack of freedom, it became his comfort zone. And so we just have to be aware that we have a homeostasis towards certain habits, okay? So, for example, for me, when I'm stressed out, I revert back to my habits, and that is I drink a cup of tea and eat something sweet. Because when I was growing up, that's what my mom did. When I was injured or I was sick or I was this or I was that, I had a bad day. Here's a cup of tea and here's a biscuit, Brian. And so I'll find myself, I'll find myself at home making a cup of tea, eating something sweet, and I'm not even aware of it. Not even aware of it. Or Beverly will say, Brian, you know, that's your third cup of tea. I'm what? No. Really? Oh, yeah. And she's not nagging me. She's not giving me a hard time. She's just making me work. Why? Because she knows. You know, she can tell when I'm wrapped a little tight. I've got too much going on. And there it is. And so it's homeostasis. Okay? So what does homeostasis do? We return to our old habits. Good or bad, we're going to return to those habits. And the next thing we need to understand, that Die Hard is not just a movie we watch at Christmas time. Die Hard is habits. Habits die hard. And it takes a lot of work. And that's why I so appreciate this audience, because many of you have tried new things and gone back to old habits and you try new things, and it takes a lot to break those old habits. Charlton Heston said, no matter what tragic events occur, no matter what rises and falls, we return to stability in the end. And it's the stability of the habits. Another great anonymous quote was, bad habits are like a comfortable bed, easy to get into, hard to get out of, okay? And so they are, but there's, there is hope, there is hope. And here's both the challenge and the hope, is that habits are automatic. Habits are automatic. And so we have to make things from being awkward to automatic. So I'll give you an example. Driving a stick shift car. When you're first learning to drive a stick shift, as any of you who've ever done this, you know, you've got so many things to remember, right? And you're a kid, and they bring you to a hill, and it's clutch in, gear in, gas on, clutch off, handbrake off, and you're trying not the car to not have this seizure of this rocking motion or this just herky-jerky motion. You do it over and over and over again and over and over again. Now you'll see people driving along, they're talking on their phone, they're eating a sandwich, putting their makeup on, and they're changing gears and this and that and whatever else, and they're not even thinking about it because they've done it so many times through that repetition. 
And so habits are automatic. We can make a good habit automatic. We can stop an automatic bad habit. A great author by the name of James Clear, he wrote a book called Atomic Habits, said habits will form whether you want them or not. Whatever you repeat, you reinforce. Very, very powerful. The great Norman Vincent Peale, who wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, said repetition of the same thought or physical action develops into a habit, which repeated frequently enough becomes an automatic reflex. So we can do something about this. We can make them automatic. We just need to be aware that our habits are automatic. The third part of that is that habits are compounding. Small changes will make a big difference over a long period of time. And so anytime you take the smallest of bad habits and replace them with a good habit, you change your life. I'm not going to tell you his name, but I'm telling you this is a true story. And it's over 25 years ago, this man and I, we lived in a town in Escondido, California here. And I was talking to him about finances. He was asking me all these questions and so on and so forth. And I was sharing with him that just the smallest of changes will do it. So I was talking about the small little subscriptions he had. Take away those and put them in the savings. The not paying ATM fees. Just I gave him small little things he could do financially to save just a few bucks here and a few bucks there. And that over time, this would build into something. And he said, okay, I need to anchor something in the morning. I said, well, what's one habit you wish you had first thing in the morning that you always say, I wish I would do? And he says, floss my teeth. He says, every time I go to the dentist, they give me a, a little box of floss. And he says, I floss for a day or two, then I forget. And he says, every time I go to the dentist, I floss once or twice before I go. And he says, I always regret that. So he says, if I could do one thing, I would love to floss every day. And I said to him, if you can floss every morning and use that as your trigger point for saving your money, you could become a millionaire. And he looked at me like I had three heads. But this was our game. I said, and like I'm going to tell all of you, I said, do it for 30 days. So what he'd do is he'd send me a little email every day just to let me know that he either flossed or sometimes that he missed it. But he was pretty good. And I'd say out of the next 30 days, he did it almost every single day. He did it the right way and he instituted it his morning habits. Then we met for a coffee. I had tea, obviously. And as we're sitting down, he said, by the way, I saved $632 this month. I said, how'd you do that? He said, well, once I had the trigger of flossing, he said, it constantly reminded me of, hey, I can make small savings here and this and any of He goes, by the way, we're sitting here right now. I'm having a small coffee instead of a large coffee. He says, I do one a day instead of two a day. Uh, he says, I'm meeting you today at a certain national franchise coffee shop. And he says, but I don't come here anymore. He says, I go to another place and I get my coffee. He said, so I'm, I'm saving money on that. He says, I saved on a couple of subscriptions. And he said, I just found the way. He said, if you'd have told me I could save 632 bucks in a month, I wouldn't have believed it. Well, it was about five years ago. It was at a wedding. And this gentleman named Mark was there. And we bumped into one another. And he gave me a big hug. And he had moved across the country. I hadn't seen him in a long time. And he said, two years ago, he said, I became a millionaire. And now it took him 20-some years, chipping away, one piece of floss at a time. And he said, I floss my way into being a millionaire. He says, I have my money. And he says, I won't be spending my money on my teeth either because my teeth are good as well. That is a wild story when you really think about it. But he instituted one habit that led to another. And that's why these small changes you can make are a very, very big deal. You know, that little 1% better every day is kind of that James Clear idea in Atomic Habits. 
small things make a big difference. You know, if you take an airplane and you move the nose of it 86 inches before it takes off, instead of ending up in New York, it'll end up in Washington, D.C. It's a three and a half degree difference. You end up in D.C. instead of going to New York. Small things make a big difference. Somebody says, if you don't think small things make a difference, try sleeping in a room with a mosquito one time, okay? And so what we want to do is have little habits that change things, okay? We build our character from the bricks of habit we pile up day by day. That's my boy, Zig Ziglar. So here's the thing. The habits can create stability. Habits are automatic, and habits are compounding. So what we want to do is replace one bad one and institute one good one, okay? And so next thing you know, it has a compounding effect. So now let's talk about actual breaking bad habits. And there's a lot of work on this. Again, James Clear wrote Atomic Habits. Charles Duhigg wrote The Power of Habits, very powerful book. And there's a couple of just tips from those books that I'll give you. First of all, there's identifying the cue. So another word for that is what triggers you, right? So I know now that if I have a stressful day, sometimes I forget to eat or I'll put it off, and I come home, that cue is... The kettle goes on, a cup of tea, I'm eating something sweet, and then I don't feel like eating something good. So I have to realize what the cue is. And so, okay, I've had a bad day. Now, if you come ever tour through Buffini and Company, you come and visit us at the podcast studio, you're more than welcome to visit. You'll see boxes of nuts and stuff around here. But here's what happens. I find myself a little low energy, a lot of stress levels, and I'll grab a little pack of nuts. And if I eat the nuts, whether it's some cashews or some almonds or whatever else, maintains the blood sugar, yada, yada, and I don't end up activating that cue that puts me down the wrong path okay and at 52 i have a hell of a long time working off that cup of tea and a cookie than i did when i was 32 so it's identifying the cue like kind of what triggers you then what you have to do is kind of reveal the true reward we'll get into that here in a little bit and then ultimately we want to create a new response so when you identify the cue it's people places times and emotions that's a great criteria for you to go through on what triggers you, right? Is it people? Is it places? The time, I'm telling you, my time is always, why? Because I get home, and when I get home, I relax. You know, I have a very busy day. I rarely get outside the building when I'm in the office, and I get home, and all of a sudden, as I start to let down, it's that time of day and that beginning of the downward cue. That's why the new habit I have is when I get in the door, is I go for a swim. So I've replaced putting on the tea and having a cup of tea with something sweet with having a swim. By the way, heat the pool up, got a nice pool, it's got a view. It just puts me in a great spot. It's some physical exercise. I kind of feel like I'm washing the stress of the day off. And the next thing you know, I get out of the pool and this and Now because I'm in the pool and I'm exercising, now I drink 33 ounces of Carlsbad water. And now I'm off to the races. And now, again, the time of day, I've changed it from something negative into something positive, Okay. And so, very, very important stuff. Know the place, the people, the times, the emotions that trigger you. The next thing is reveal the true reward, right? So what craving is your habit satisfying? And what is it you really want, okay? So what craving is your habit satisfying? So for me, the habit of a cup of tea and something sweet is, it's a stress response. It's a stress relief. And so when I get into the pool and go for a swim, it's a stress relief. So what do I really want? is I want stress relief. Oh, by the way, I get far more stress relief from doing the swim than I do from eating the cookie and having the tea. Does that make sense? I get far more benefits. So I'm getting what I really want. 
And then ultimately, why do I want to do it? Because I'm trying to live a, a healthier, better life. Okay. Now, by the way, I still enjoy a cup of tea and a cookie, not as a response to stress, but as an actual reward. And the more days I do that, the better. Okay. Charles Duhigg said this, say you want to stop snacking at work. Is the reward you're seeking to satisfy your hunger or is it to interrupt your boredom? Okay, great idea. You see it all the time. I know it'll happen here around Halloween and all of a sudden all the flipping Willy Wonka chocolate factory is going to break out around Buffini Company and everybody's got goodies on their desks and whatever. And you just see people walking around and they're just having a chat and talking. Well, next thing you know, they have a little fun-sized Snickers in their hand or this or that or those candy corns or whatever they're grabbing and it's not that they're hungry or whatever it's just kind of like something to do and so that's a good one from Duhigg right there he goes on to say cravings are what drive habits and figuring out how to spark a craving makes creating a new habit easier okay and so very very powerful next thing is uh, create a new response and so we want that new response we want that new routine okay and routines are very, very powerful. Because now what's happened is, now I drive home. So my routine is this. I finish the day, and I don't drive down the freeway home. I drive down the Pacific Coast Highway. And why? It takes me 10 minutes longer, 8 minutes longer. Because on the way home, I drive on the Highway 101, which drives past, I mean, I'm talking about right past, four beaches. And I roll the windows down. I hear the ocean. I smell the salt water and the salt in the air. I get to hear that sound, and that's part of my decompression from the day. And so I, I take 10 minutes longer to drive home, and if sometimes even I'm going to a girls' game, whatever else, I just leave a little earlier so I can do that drive and then continue on. And then as often as I can, I get in the door, and I hop straight in the pool. And that's my new deal. And I'm telling you, it's been amazing. And it's been amazing in how much it makes me feel better about the day, it's amazing how it makes me feel much better about where I live. And it's just filled me with a, a lot of gratitude. And so that new habit for me is really, it's like having little mini vacations for me. And so I work pretty hard. I go at it pretty hard. I got a lot of demands on my schedule. But my little routine at the end of the day is really helping kind of clean it up and get that process. So I have a, a new response to the stress of the day. Okay. Again, Charles Duhigg said the difference between who you are and who you want to be is what you do. Right, Jack Canfield says, if you don't like your outcomes, change your responses. And so, again, responses, routines, very, very powerful. Another great book is The Power of Full Engagement. A good friend of mine named Tony Schwartz wrote that, uh, co-authored that book uh, years ago. And again, getting those new habits down, making those routines automatic, very, very powerful. So we want to identify the cue, reveal the true reward, not the short-term reward, and then create a new response or routine. Very, very powerful. And let me leave you on the good note here today, which is this is very possible, which is to build good habits, okay? So here's three little tips on building good habits. And it's very important, right? If you make the habit good and you put it in place, all of a sudden you take one bad habit out and you put one good habit in, no matter how small. That's a very significant delta. Instead of going in one direction, you've gone 180 in the opposite direction. You do that a couple times, you really start making some progress, no matter how small these habits are. So the three little tips here on building good habits is make the healthy response attractive, take small steps, and identify with the habit. And I'll talk about that. So first of all, make the healthy response attractive. Here's the thing. When you do the good stuff, reward yourself. So here's the way I have it. 
is five nights in the pool equals one cup of tea and a cookie of my choice. That's what I do, and I look forward to it now. So I do that on a Saturday evening with the kids sitting around. My daughter, Amy, she's like her dad. She's very Irish by nature, and she loves these Milano cookies. And so we make a cup of tea, and she has a couple of those, and uh, that's our kind of Saturday night deal, watching some of the college football games, okay? So it's a little reward. Again, good habits are as addictive as bad habits and a lot more rewarding, said Harvey McKay. Here's the next thing is take small steps, okay? Someone said, if you want to become a writer, write one sentence a day. You know, I get this all the time. People, that's it. I've been to your seminar. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to start working out. And they write a goal to run a marathon. And the person's 60 pounds overweight and hasn't exercised in a long time. And if by sheer force and determination, they can get out and do that. And here's what happens. They end up hurting themselves. And because they haven't been moving, they're heavier than they want to be. The next thing you know, they have a good goal, but... There's no sequence to that, and they're not taking a small step first. And it doesn't mean you can't achieve big things in a short period of time, but you need to take the small step first. So it's like I always tell people, all right, you haven't run in a long time. How about this? How about drink half your body weight in water every day in ounces and go for a walk? So, okay, great. You weigh 220, drink 110 ounces of water, and then go for a walk every day. And that's the first step towards someone running a marathon. And by the way, when you get to run a marathon, there was a fellow by the name of Hal Higdon, and he put together a great little methodology. In fact, you can look it up online. And how to run a marathon, and it's you run two miles this day, and you run three miles that day, and you run two miles this day, and then you take a day of rest, and you go for a four-mile run. And you do that, and you do that, and then you might go for a seven-mile run. And then you do two miles and three miles, take a rest, and you go for an eight-mile run. And he shows you little runs, little runs, little runs, little rest, little runs, and then a long run. Little runs, little runs. And then Hal Higdon, I believe, is the top person in the world teaching people how to run half marathons and marathons. And it's all with these little steps. So you want to take these small steps, right? So you want to become a writer, write a sentence. You want to become a writer, next day, get up and write a paragraph. And then it's, you want to become a writer, you get up and a week later, you're writing a page a day, okay? We had Jocko Willink on this uh, podcast. I think he writes a thousand words a morning, right? Now, again, this is Mr. Super Seal, and he's hammering out books left and right. But that's what he does every day. Same thing if you want to become a reader. Why don't you try a page a day? Rome wasn't built in a day. If it was, we'd have hired their contractors. That's a billboard I saw in Boston during the big dig when it took them about 15 or 20 years to build the roads around Boston. Small steps are powerful, okay? Confucius said, the man who moves mountains begins by carrying away small stones. Francis Bacon, great writer, said, we rise to great heights by winding a staircase of small steps. Here's what happened. Here's why people don't believe. They're overwhelmed with their circumstance. They're behind on their bills. They're overweight by a bunch. They feel like their relationships are in a bad spot. Their business is in a bad spot. And they want the pain to go away right away. And this small step is not going to make that entire pain go away. But that compounding effect of that habit, that becomes automatic. So again, you do it for 30 days, it becomes a habit. And then you keep going, you keep going, you keep going. Next thing you know, you've chipped away at it. And then the last little piece here is identify with the habit personally. So I talked about you're writing a sentence a day, you're writing a paragraph a day, now you're writing a page a day. Now you start affirming, I'm a writer you want to change your reading habits and you you read a page a day and then you read a couple of pages a day. When you tell people, I'm a reader, what do you do? What's one of your hobbies? I'm a reader. And you start affirming and identifying with the habit, okay? 
Aristotle said we are what we repeatedly do. And so excellence then is not an act, but a habit. And so identify with the habit, okay? James Clear, again, says, the more you repeat a behavior, the more you reinforce the identity associated with that behavior. And so that's what we want to do. We want to identify with that habit. And so, like I say, I hope this podcast is a good habit for you. I hope you learn to start doing good things with this podcast. Perhaps you do this with a walk or you're listening to the podcast on a treadmill. Maybe that's a way you can do two things at the same time, whatever. And so we talked about Breaking Bad today, not a Netflix show. This is ultimately how you develop the show called your life, this good life, the good life that you want to lead. And we know that there's good habits and there's bad habits. We know that we can break bad habits and we know that we can build good habits. You can do it, Briny. That's what my mother always told me. You can do it. And she was right. I will tell you that my daughter rides dressage. She's a two-time national champion. In fact, she's also two times runner-up. One of the most decorated young riders in the history of America. And she rides these big 1,600-pound horses and she teaches them these disciplines. And she gets training five to six days a week. So I asked her one day, because these horses do these amazing presentations and it's remarkable the level of control and the level of artistry involved in this whole thing and i said to her how long does it take for these horses you're training to get out of the routine because she's she's training them five days a week she goes dad well if i'm off for more than three or four days i feel like we go back three or four weeks and i thought well just how true that is it takes about 30 days to install a habit it seems to take three or four days to knock us off a habit now that can be discouraging except for this fact, is that if you put a habit in place, so let's say my friend is flossing his teeth and he does it every day for 30 days, then he misses a couple of days. When he gets back to flossing his teeth again, it's much more likely to happen again very quickly. So when you do institute the habit, it becomes more natural again quicker. But understand all of us get off the rails and life happens. And the next thing you know, your routine gets upset or people get sick, or you get sick, or something bad happens, or there's a change in the routine. But the fact of the matter is you can get back on the horse and you can install the good habit again. We've given you a few tips and tools here today. I've recommended a few books to you. I hope you pick up. We're going to continue to talk on the subject of habit because it's such a key ingredient for the methodologies for success. And so I hope this has been helpful for you today. I hope in the next seven days, You take out one small bad habit and replace it with one good habit. And let me know how you're doing. Send me an email. Write a review. Let us know how you're doing. And I'm glad that you've made this podcast part of your habit. And we're glad to provide you that habit. And hopefully this is uh, giving you a reward that you look forward to. So thanks again for joining me. And with that said, I'm going to throw you over to my mom, who's got a good word of encouragement for today. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. <laughs>